KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. All right, good morning, good Saturday. We're off and running one more Saturday. Lots of things happening, beautiful weather, and this is the Helitech Home Improvement Show, and we have two full hours for you, 314-436-7900. Call in, bring in your questions, your answers, your favorite topics, all those projects you have around the home that either you are doing or maybe you and a neighbor or some friends and as well as contractors, or who do you call? It's kind of like the Ghostbuster show. You know, who do you call? Uh, phone numbers, this is where you call, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I operate Mosby Building Arts. This is our 70-plus year, I think 72nd. We were founded in 1947 by my father. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting project to keep going because it's important to serve people uh, like you and me as well. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Two hours today, as I mentioned, topics are yours. As we um, really socially distance or, you know, I don't know, socially interact in place, we stay home a lot. Um, With those Have you noticed things around your home as you pull home for the few times you leave when you come home? Maybe you're seeing your home through new eyes. Uh, That front elevation, the front porch, front door, windows, the whole outside. Maybe that roof needs a little bit of attention. Now, all those pieces are maintenance items. Generally not a big deal. They don't really add an enormous amount of value to your home. But I can tell you if you do them wrong, and you don't have a voice of design for color selection, coordination, and all of that, it's kind of like, ladies, for you going to the uh, store and buying a wonderful dress you love and then this uh, great handbag and then the accessories over. But without an eye to coordination and putting it all together in one image and one overall feeling, when you get it right, there is a view, a vision, and a feeling that happens or not. So when I hear roofers or siders say, you pick the color and we'll put it on next week, uh, you know, that just strikes fear into me because it doesn't change the price to do the right colors or the wrong colors. But if you get those colors a little bit off, and ladies, you know this, when you have two colors of blue or two colors of black, whatever it is, and they're just a little bit off, they're a lot off. So the voice of uh, design really matters in the exterior as well as the interior. We all know about interior designers. The issue is around exterior designers. Please, please, please keep an eye toward, am I doing the right thing? Do I need any professional help? Uh, Certainly, I've been uh, commented on how much professional help I personally need, but that's a different issue. We'll go there a little bit later. But around colors on the exterior of your home, remember that It matters, and it matters, excuse me, if you get them wrong. So we can talk about exterior design because front porches are the handshake, the wink, the nod, the welcome, the wide open arms of come see me, welcome to my home, or the folded arms with harumph, please pass on by. If you get the colors right and you get the energy, uh, even to how narrow columns are on a front porch, if you get those too narrow, 
for whatever reason, oftentimes for cost, you're creating an energy and a handshake first impression of those closed arms, harumph, please don't bother me. You widen those columns out and the aperture opens up. All of a sudden it looks like grandma's wide open arms, big smile, come give me a hug, honey. And then, and that's really, so I, I try and put a good design into words that you and I can both share and understand because, you know, the pros, you know, we've got slews of them at Mosby Building Arts. We know how to speak that language. The real issue and our challenge continues to be how to speak the language you and I share. And that is around grandma's arms, welcoming her umph, all that stuff that I bring to the radio show. And that's why really getting it right takes a little more effort. Getting it wrong takes one missed decision and truth be known our designers pretty much coach throughout that whole process we attend and go with people on the selections uh, uh, visits to the supply houses because if somebody says you buy all the materials and I, I'll put them in that means you solely hold all of the risk responsibility and um, uh, cost savings that go along to getting all those colors right so keep that in mind uh, getting it right or getting it wrong generally it costs the same but the value that is generated and oftentimes destroyed I can't tell you how many times I'll drive down the street and there's a house that you know just looks you know something special about it they get a new roof and they change the color just a little bit and all of a sudden that house is special but it's not a positive experience anymore so that around front porches even the serpentine straight the width of the sidewalk when you go to replace your sidewalk is it wide and inviting inclusive or is it exclusive? And in the days where we have so many exclusive uh, and non-inclusive things happening in our world uh, with the extremes, uh, political left, political right, be careful. Make sure you get your front sidewalk wide enough to be welcoming and really draw people in that translates into the appraised value of your home because there's a feel that either happens or does not uh, and that's it so I you know just uh, just the exterior appeal of your home or the exterior energy non appeal of your home makes it really important to get it right and you know where you turn for that is very important uh, that gets to the color of the windows uh, and we're in a vinyl window world basically the st. Louis window market is vinyl windows many many of us have wood windows but we've gotten uh, caught up in the low maintenance and that only means it doesn't only mean vinyl we've got so many different materials now for window products from wood to wood clad to uh, 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 fiberglass to composites with all sorts of exotic fibers and performances and and likewise temperature ranges that they belong in and they don't belong in. So these products are manufactured for coast to coast, north to south. But here in the Midwest, we have our own unique set of expansion and contraction temperature range. So it's a big deal, not only in concrete, but it is in window coverings, uh, window materials, sidings, roofing, and especially attic ventilation. So I'm, I'll get off my soapbox here a little bit because I, I've just seen a few houses here in the last few weeks that have gotten some new roofs, some new siding, and they spent a bunch of money. And they messed up that, those houses, and, it, and I don't think they even know it. When it comes time to appraise that home or to sell the home, 
the market will speak to you and it will not be kind if you get this thing wrong. So keep in mind, this is very important, uh, the science and the art of color matters. Uh, and you've heard me speak about this a week before. Ladies, when you're putting cosmetics on, when you get it just right, that big smile and that, you know when you got it right. And when you're off, that little voice is telling to you. Well, likewise, in houses, house paints, colors, interior, exterior, and the overall view or not. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We're going to talk about a lot of things today, and they're all your topics. I am here at your service. My name is Scott Mosby. Again, I'm part of Mosby Building Arts. We've been around forever. I've been on this radio show for more than two decades. And frankly, what I do really well just common, plain speaking. You know, I, I interact with uh, all of the constituencies in the design and construction community. And, you know, I've spent a lifetime learning to understand and learning to re-communicate in an appropriate shared language. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. This is KMOX. I am, I promise, at your service. Welcome back to the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. We are live and lively in the words of Mike Miller, my mentor. You know, ever since I got on CamWax years ago, and it's been a little bit now, uh, Mike Miller had been on about a year, year and a half longer than me. And, you know, my gosh, Casa Mosby just was not green. It it was not looking good, uh, needed all kinds of help. Lo and behold, I sit in a studio behind Mike Miller for a few years, you know, and osmosis kind of sets in. You know, I listen to Mike on the way down. I listen to him in the morning when, sometimes when I get up and all that. You know, it's looking pretty good, courtesy Mike Miller, Camwick's Garden Hotline. Let's get to the phone lines here. Get going and start up. Uh, let's see. Let's talk with my buddy Joe. Hey, Joe, good morning. Welcome to Camwick's Mon Frere. How can I help? Well, I'm, look, I'm thinking about putting some interior doors in, in my house. There's like five interior doors, but it's an old house, 50 years old, plaster walls, okay. and these metal frames, metal door frames. Boy. Is it possible to get these white panel doors, interior doors, and, and use the existing hinges and like cut in, you know, into these doors, place with, for that hinge? Uh, no, you need a new wood jam um, because you've got a plaster return uh, well, let me ask you this. Do you have a wood return that those bullnose plaster edges come into? I th- I don't think so. No, no. It's just uh, strictly, and that's what somebody told me. It came out here and said, well, we have to tear this, you know, yeah. tear that plaster wall out and put, the, you know, a, a new wooden. Uh, I was thinking, I was hoping that I could just go, you know, some the, like Mosby Building or somebody could come in and I could buy the, pla- you know, the, the interior doors and just cut hinges in to, you know, to hang hang those doors using the existing without tearing out all the plaster walls and all that no you can't because the only wood is behind that plaster about five-eighths of an inch back there so you can't you don't really have anything gospel good to hang the hinge butts to uh, other than five-eighths inches back there Um, we've explored sometimes in going over you know putting a pre-hung jam or even a you know a ready set jam that goes into that opening over the plaster. The problem is, is it closes down the aperture, the size, and the opening of the doorway. 
So yes, you can, and no, you shouldn't. Most doors are not oversized in 50-year-old homes anyway. Yeah. So no, yeah, I- just. And it's really not too hard. Joe, I really don't want you to be afraid of this. This is, you know, this is not a high-skilled project of removing the plaster around those doors. It's a mess, and the project becomes how do I hang a drop cloth behind me two feet so that when I hit that plaster and it flies off everywhere, it doesn't go all the way down the hallway. That, you know, so dust containment and debris management is the smartest part of that thing. And you just go down there with a four-inch wide chisel, you just chop straight down down about, you know, three quarters of an inch back from the corner on, you know, the wall sides, and then you just pull that plaster off, and you'll come down to the two-by-four inside there, and at that point, you're back to a new construction experience where you're putting in either, you know, the jams of the door, and then setting and cutting in the the butts being the hinges, or you pre-hang that door either way, but you you can get down to something that, and if you pre-hang it, you know, uh, doors are a problem because on a scale of one to 10 doors are an 8 out of 10 skill level so they're not like you know Molary and Curly 2, 3 and 4 can get these things in but with enough patience planning and research uh, you know 5 doors you can do and one at a time they're not overwhelming so uh, just you have to kind of pick your battles and play it one game at a time one door at a time kind of okay well I guess I'll have to have somebody come out and take a look at it and tell me what they think uh it sounds very labor intensive and cost- well it's not it's not uh the demo is the demo will take as long and ordering and this is the part that i'd forgotten i'm doing projects around the i had underestimated the material list the double confirming sizes the ordering the follow-up the scheduling oh my gosh just for my small diy projects myself i i miss you know i you know i just blocked out of my memory how much time it takes as much time getting ready as it does putting the doors in okay well i appreciate your your information um i guess i'll have to do some thinking about which way i want to go yeah uh what kind of doors are you thinking in terms of panel and material and size joe yeah just the you know they're they're normal doors like 79 inch doors i think they are Mm -hmm. and uh it's just six panel, you know, interior doors, white ones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, keep in mind, those doors are 80 inches tall. They get cut down 50 years ago because they were put in, uh, and then the finished floor comes up, and they cut the bottom inch off the door. So your doors, truly new doors, will be 80 inches tall, and then you need that half-inch finish or three-eighths of an inch clearance over your finished floor. So some of those framed openings of those doorways have to raise or... You know, but anyway, but on an old uh, house like that, that's the doors went in and then the hardwood floors went in three quarters of an inch. And then lo and behold, the hardwood floor, you know, then you have to cut off the bottom of the doors. So be aware that starting over with a new building product, you'll have full size, you know, 80 inch tall doors, which is six, eight. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'll have to figure out what's, uh, you know, if I can afford to do this or not. A little head scratching, eh, Joe? Yep, it is. All right. Good luck, my friend. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, and that's it's one of the fascinating things, you know. He, I don't know that Joe realized it, but saying his house was 50 years old and it's plaster, 
man, I know how the thing's made. You know, I know how thick the studs are. Um, you know, it probably has a plaster lath, which means it's got that half inch or three eighths inch plaster, um, gypsum board, two feet by five foot strip. So that's a transitional time when the first, the old school plaster had wood lath. So those of you that have messed with that, you know what that is. Uh, then came this, uh, plaster lath because that was so expensive. They tried to save the labor because lath, you know, uh, wood lathing, and then three coats of, of plaster, uh, and then waiting 30 days for the alkali in that plaster mix before you can paint it, because that stuff is so alkali hot. Uh, it's like, we've got to find another less labor-intensive way. So they started doing this, what you and I would know as drywall, gypsum board lath, and then an eighth-inch skim coat over the top. That saved a ton of labor. And came out with the same, uh, you know, plaster finish. Uh, and, and so that's transitional. And then came the poor drywall because they didn't really know. And right around the same time, brick veneer was evolving as well from full masonry layup where you had, you know, interior, uh, brick and then maybe, uh, hollow clay tile and then exterior brick or, you know, hayite block or concrete block, whatever. You know, it's like, boy, that's, uh, plenty labor intensive. Let's go to something else. So then they started doing frame walls and brick veneer which we're still using today because of the, the the labor intensity of it so anyway when when joe said i've got a 50 year old house with plaster you know I, I get all that and so i'm able to answer these questions uh you know and sometimes i wonder where did i learn that you know like Boy, that just popped into my head. I hope it's the right answer. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Next up, let's talk with my friend Ellen. Ellen, good morning. Welcome. How can I help? Uh, yes, thank you. I enjoy your show. Appreciate your, my call. Um, yeah. I have a deck, and it's composite. How do I clean that? It's kind of it's about 10 years old, and it's getting kind of brown and dingy. Uh, what color is it? It's, or was it? Uh, brown. <laughs> Brown? Is it a Trex deck? Does that I don't sound know. familiar? Well, some of them. Ten years ago, we were in a transitional time where uh, what what could be sold and what uh, would age well was a little different. So uh, you really have to hit it hard, Alan. Some, for example, the Trexes, the ones that had composite wood fiber. You know, that was the really kind of the early stages of the green movement. Let's use less wood fiber, but we'll use recycled wood fiber from the sawmills. We don't need to make real, you know, big chunks of wood and use that up. We'll save that for framing and structures. So, well. The more wood uh, fibers that go into a composite, the more moisture it holds. The more moisture it holds in our lovely climate around the Midwest, you have humidity and high temperature and mold and mildew growth. So that's what's all over your deck, and it's sticking to uh, 10 years ago what that composite fiber was made of. Um, I will tell you that, uh, first off, scrub it off with, this is just like washing a car. Your car, this is your car, and it hasn't been washed in 10 years. (laughs) So, so yeah, you kind of hit it hard. It's like, well, you get it with a really good detergent um, and scrub it down pretty good. I use a stiff bris- bristle push broom, you know, because I need a scrub brush, but I don't necessarily want a 5-inch scrub brush. I'm looking for an 18 or 24-inch. Scrub it down really good. Get all that solid stuff off. It will still be dark and ugly again. Uh, what will happen is there's a deck stripper or Clorox or chlorine bleach. If you just dump bleach on that, you'll be amazed how clean it gets right away. 
because Mm. that stuff is alive and moist, and it's still going, especially this time of year. But my point is, is you really have to scrub it in good. Uh, And then if there's a, like a deck wax or or siding wax that goes on and be careful for slipperiness the point is is that mildew will come back in about two years you're going to do this again so get used to it because because that's the misnomer on composites i want a maintenance-free composite deck well even today we don't have such a thing because of our environment in the midwest Mm. so in other words uh, scrub it real good with uh, detergent and then hit it with bleach yeah, bleach about one-third, so about a third bleach, two-thirds water. Be careful. Use eye coverings and, and you know, rubber gloves. This is nasty stuff. You know what bleach is. It's, you yeah, know. Right. Yeah, it's the old. They used to kill people with that in World War One. so uh, be careful. Okay, uh, thank you so much. Okay, take care, Ellen. Good luck, my friend. Yeah. And for those of you listening and you've got siding like that, same ticket. That siding, uh, especially vinyl siding, all maintenance for one vinyl siding. Well, good old Mother Nature, ultraviolet light, high temperature, high humidity. Well, that the pores in that vinyl siding, the gloss goes away, the finish and all of the sheen. Well, you know, it might take five, ten years. The pores of that vinyl open up a little bit. You know, and and you know this on you know your vinyl furniture outdoors on the patio and such. It kind of gets that chalky thing, just like concrete does. You know, you touch it and the white stuff comes off in your hand. That's an open pore. The moisture gets in there. The moisture stays. Temperature comes. The dirt sticks to it, and all of a sudden you're growing corn on the side of your house. You know, and I, a little I, that's tongue in cheek. I'm I'm joking a bit. The point being is you literally have a thin layer of topsoil, moisture, heat, and sun, and that stuff's going to grow so you really have to abrade it use an emulsifier which is detergent scrub it off rinse it away and then hit it hard with basically you know chemical warfare of of chlorine bleach one third uh, you can go down as as part as a as a four to one where you have four water and one bleach if it's not too bad but for the first time and don't kid yourself if you hit it right away with the bleach all those solids and all that material will still be there you'd be surprised within two or three months all of a sudden you're black with that back with that black material on your house again. Uh, let's see what's cooking with Derek. Hey, Derek, good morning. Welcome. How can I help you here on Cam Wex? Derek, good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Yes. Hi. Yes, sir. Yeah. How you doing? Um, so I've got a one by four that I'm putting up on the side of an old railroad station, and uh, this thing, uh, the one by four, looks kind of looks like a country road, you know, around the hills. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering. Um, if I should just wet it down and screw it about every foot or so and just keep bending it until it finally goes. That's the old carpenter's uh, trick. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's the old carpenter's trick, and and, and we call it chasing the lumber. Uh, That's what I'm doing. You, you put it at the, now, and uh, as far as wetting it, that can help. You can also kerf it in the back. If you're, if you're sharp enough to know and you look at the knots and you say, oh, boy, that rascal goes up there by the knot and all of a sudden takes a left turn, you know, you can weaken the board from the back side a little by just taking a power saw blade, dipping it into that one by four, maybe an eighth of an inch, maybe an inch or two wide. So you can weaken the anti-bend or strength of that board and bend it around a little bit. On a one by four, I think with some pry bars, a little bit of help, you can probably chase that board up pretty straight. All right, well, I appreciate it. It's kind of fun. I mean, Thanks. yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of a high five when you realize how did I straighten that dog's leg out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you very much. Okay, Derek. Good luck, my my friend. Thanks. Bye. Bye now. 
Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. This is University of KMOX. This is where I learn more than I ever bargained for years ago when I was offered the show. I thought, my gosh, I can't know everything. I want, who in the world could answer all these questions? Light bulb, lo and behold, I've got a lot of smart listeners that are committed to the same end of sharing good and accurate information. So I get a lot of help, and I've learned a lot of things. I, 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 when we come back, I'm going to tell you one of the most um, humbling, um, um, explosively toxic recommendations I was about to give. And, you know, one of those old, um, hundreds-year-old um, things that, you know, cleaning up houses that that women you know traditionally knew and very soft and graceful boy it, it was brilliant well i'll tell you that when we come right back here on camelax welcome back to the helitech waterproofing home improvement show presented by suburban leisure center on olive one mile west of 141 now once again scott mosby on kmox Ah, Suburban Leisure Center. How about some nice, comfy furniture? Sit back, relax, ah, and enjoy the evenings and the mornings in St. Louis. Because it's going to be pretty hot today, brother. Uh, let's see who's waiting a while. Let's talk to my friend Bob. Hey, Bob, good morning. Welcome to KMOX Montfrey. How can I help? Hello, Bob. Are you there? I'm missing. Am I pushing the wrong button? Oh, my gosh, the ejection. Oh, I'm gone. Hello. Hello, Hello Bob. You're on, my buddy. Okay, I have a concrete question for you. Uh-huh. Uh, I have a, uh, at the back of the house, we have the, uh, it's a brick wall, and then we have a, uh, uh, a sunroom, we'll call it, and okay. which goes into a pa- out to a patio. And there's a aggregate concrete uh, is the patio. Okay. And something has happened that, patio is now i guess sank yeah is there a way to buy to get some concrete that i could pour put over the existing concrete to kind of give it an inch raise so water will drain uh yes there is and no you shouldn't Okay, <laughs> because especially that exposed aggregate, it's a beautiful look at me concrete. It's a piece of art. Uh, I would suggest um, maybe polyjacking that concrete slab up. This is a uh, not going to happen because the concrete goes under the door slab for the ha- for the room. Oh, I see. So I I still would. Uh, how much is it down an inch? Oh, no. It's just enough that water can settle, settles yeah. in that corner and yeah. doesn't drain. My yeah, other- you're in one of the tough plots, you know, there's because the, you you can polyjack that concrete up, and they can stop at the appropriate time. Sometimes they can hit it, and sometimes they can't. They can't control all that stuff underground. But patching it as you're uh, requesting, Bob, you'll never make it match that other stuff. And, and most concrete patches like that uh, are uglier than the problem. So the cure is worse than the ailment. Okay, my other thought was to... Uh have a trench a little trench put in the you know cut into the concrete yeah oh yeah yeah 
That's that actually is a reasonable uh, solution, uh, and really it's just a saw cut or a kerf. The problem is, is the water that sets there will continue to get in that little trench or cur- saw kerf, and it stays wet and it starts to mildew, so it'll turn black over time. But it yeah, will release always... that water. Yeah, you're gonna have to scrub them both either way. Yeah. So a trench would be a, a doable, workable solution. Yeah. I would suggest that as being less ugly than trying to patch. I mean, even if you had a, a professional exposed aggregate guy, you know, they just, you know, they just can't match it. It's, it's, you know, it's like matching fifty-year-old paint. Good luck with that. Yeah. Well, it's it's over on on the far side of the house. We have two patios, and this is the patio we don't use. Oh. So, yeah. cosmetics, you know, for visual is not important mm-hmm. yeah yeah i yeah i would go with the saw kerf and try and relieve that water puddle the best you can um you know and yeah i i think that's the better of the two because i have never uh ever seen a patch that didn't look like a patch and you've already got a you know a blemish that draws attention now so you know why spend money and still have something that draws attention hey is there some kind of specialty contract person that can trench or most contract people con they can do it uh actually you're more like a handyman uh kind of thing because it comes with a four inch angle grinder the concrete guys have you know walk behind saws that are probably too big for this uh but generally uh were i to do it i would get an abrasive diamond blade put it on a power saw you know and then you know just an old power saw and just groove from here to there to the edge of the patio and then oh. go back and make it slope so that's how low tech it is so that that would be a home project then it's possible yeah i mean you really have to protect yourself because the stuff that comes flying off that concrete those little chips so you can protect your eyes your forearms and you know your your gloves but yeah if you if you're willing to run a power saw down a uh, concrete patio you know it, it scuffs up the bottom plate of that saw but that's kind of how i'd go about doing it you know, so unless I had 100 feet of it, you know. Yeah, that's a Home Depot saw then that I can buy. Yeah, yeah, it's just a typical power saw with a, a – the blade's probably going to cost you as much or more as the saw. You know, a good diamond blade is 50 or $60, and, you yeah. know, low-end low power saw is, you know, 50 or $60. Okay, so I'll go and ask, ask the experts there. Yeah, uh, one other thing here, if you're going to undertake this thing, Bob, use a straight edge and a guide because you're only going down about an eighth of an inch into that saw, so you adjust the depth, that yeah. eighth of an inch. And But keep in mind, if you can get a one-by-four or a straight edge next to the left side of that saw plate so that when you're running that saw, you're cutting a dead straight line, uh, yeah. that will look intentional and attractive. And if you just happen to start sawing off in the direction it'll look like you know the three-year-old with a crayon no i'd chalk line it first and yeah well but i'd put it i'd put a straight edge on it because that saw when it hits a big hunk of, of stone it's going to want to buck and rock and move so cutting a straight edge into con into old concrete uh you know the concrete's as hard as the doggone diamond blade yeah okay okay very good thank you very uh, much good luck bob take care Right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMWX. I promised when I came back um, the, to uh, share with you what I learned uh, 
somebody called in and said, I need to get that black gook off the inside of my fireplace glass doors. What do I use? And, you know, and I'd use just, well, you need MEK methyl ethyl ketone, which is a carcinogenic, really explosive, nasty uh, solvent. But it, by golly, takes that creosote off the inside of the windows, uh, uh, the glass doors. Uh, and woman calls up and she said, you know, you could do that, but, you know, my grandmother taught me that you just take a little bit of ash from the fireplace and you put it in a bowl and you just dip it in water and then you dip it into those dry ashes and then you just rub it on the inside of the doors. What she was describing was a lye solution, like making L-Y-E, lye soap, and how it would successfully remove that stuff from the inside of the window. So here I'm about to share... Well, go ahead, you know, get some cancer-causing stuff. Don't smoke. Turn off all the, you know, water heaters and pilot lights in your house so you don't blow up. She's, well, just dip a little bit of water into the, uh, you know, the ashes and that. So anyway, there you go. One of the things I learned here on KMOX. Scott Mosby, I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together. Hey, uh, welcome to a new sponsor, Show Me Blinds in Kirkwood. Thanks, Keith. Welcome aboard, brother. Glad to have you. And let's get to the phone lines and talk to my buddy, Blig. Hey, Blig, good morning. How can I help? Hey, yeah, it is a pretty good morning, Scott. And earlier you were talking about how long how you got into this business at KMOX, and I think I'm one of those old guys that have been listening to you <laughs> pretty much since the beginning. Oh, and wow. um, you've taught me a lot over the years, and... Um, I'm a do-it-yourself kind of guy. So five years ago, I came up against a project that I knew was too big for me, and um, it involved wrapping all the trim on my house so I'll never have to paint it again. And as you know, bay windows have their own unique uh, difficulties that you work with, and there were a couple of suggestions made about how to handle it, and we went with one of them. And um, after about three years, I knew that it wasn't going to work, so I procrastinated for about two more years and finally called recently. And uh, Ken, who was the lead carpenter on the job, has moved up in the company, and he came out to take a look, and he said, yeah, we messed it up. We didn't do it right the first time, but we will this time. So he sent out a young man named David with a plan, and um, oh, my. and I'm just calling to give you a shout-out, my friend. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with the work and the follow-up, and, and I feel very confident that it's done right now. Well, Harold, thank you very much. Much appreciated. And uh, we're humans. We give them our best shot, and sometimes we're long and sometimes we're short. So thanks for letting us come back and make it Well, right. it's all right. And, and uh, just stay on the air. And, hey, I understand you're enjoying Arizona these days. Trying to, doggone, you know, talk about uh, quarantining and wherever. As I just go to a place that, uh, you know, it's hot. We just burn the, the virus right out of here. Well, I told Ken that I was going to give you a call today. And, uh um, and really, I can't say enough good things about uh, the follow-through and the, the quality of workmanship that you did. And uh, it's all good, my friend. It's all good. Thank you. Well, thanks to Ken and David. Uh, uh, we care. We care. So thank you for caring about us, too. Have a great right. day. Thanks, Blake. Bye. You Bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Camwax. Sometimes it just, you know, it's just, you know, every now and again, somebody notices, like, <sighs> you know. And it's interesting because how we interact and how uh, companies interact with, with the public, uh, clients, uh, nobody gets it right all the time. What really matters is getting it right and standing behind it. And frankly, some of my 
better friends over the years have been clients. You know, I think like, wow, why are they calling us back? And they call us back because we stand behind our work. And, you know, in my memory is, you know, we kind of stepped in the mud. We needed to get this better, uh, you know, but they were very pleased with how we stood behind it. And, you know, it's it's our name. I mean, all of our, I, I describe Mosby Building Arts as a family business. Uh, we're like family. You know, every now and again, we debate you know, heatedly sometimes about what the right answer, what the right process, product, whatever it is. Uh, even some of the topics that I bring here on KMOX, it's like, Scott, you know, here's how I handled that. You know, would that work? So anyway, it's interesting how we as a family, we behave as a family. Uh, we're outside of the Mosby family now for most of the people running the company, you know, except me and my wife. We're still involved in, and uh, love it. But anyway, uh, thanks to, to Blake for commenting. Uh, it, it's not when somebody notices and uh, you know it is what it is I love my time on KMOX stay tuned we've got news weather and sports coming up next and this is KMOX the voice of the Cardinals KMOX and your service welcome to the Helitech waterproofing home improvement show presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive one mile west of 141 now here's your host Scott Mosby on KMOX all right, back together, home improvement. Scott Mosby locked in a studio. Oh, my gosh, looking outside at that weather, soaring up to be warmish. 82 tomorrow. Ooh-wee. Yeah, nice day. Uh, phone lines web right here on CamoX, 314-436-7900, 436-7900. Toll-free, 800-925-1120. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. My name is Scott Mosby. One more hour. CamoX truly is the voice of the Cardinals. You can hear this and all things on CamoX on Radio.com. Radio.com, awesome app. Take it with you. It's got an instant rewind for what did he say last 20 seconds a little but takes you back 20 seconds you can hear me mumble and stumble and deliver another answer yet again so you can rewind what was the product he said what did he call that thing uh so that and for any other uh show on KMOX, radio.com it's a great app i urge you that when you're out of the house out and away surely you can always get us on the radio take it takes us with you with on the car but when you travel wherever you go around the world radio.com phone lines right here on KMOX are 314-436-7900 436-7900 toll free 800-925-1120 kind of the overall topic today is the outside of your house getting the colors the design the products all putting together Uh, I I had a question off the air I guess last week that uh, what you know is it better to do windows at one time siding at another time or is it better to do it all at one time well it's kind of like the answer from a surgeon it's like well if I'm only going in for you know the gallbladder you know and the pancreas is right next door you know I you really want me to cut you open twice over two so anyway uh, getting it all at one time whatever it is allows that um, talent whether uh, physician surgeon or you know exterior carpenter to kind of own control and correct all of that stuff and get it right um it's kind of like you know back at the american revolution you know if we don't hang together we will surely hang separately um well if you get all the projects done together then there's an interrelationship that happens with talented 
companies that know how to handle it because many just do not and and for that purpose they often do just one of those uh trades well we do only siding we don't do tuck pointing we only do roofs we don't do uh uh you know um windows or whatever but windows doors flashing both around the windows and doors managing the water in those holes in your house uh certainly the the roof the chimney flashing around that whether it's masonry or not uh all of that has a lot to do with frankly how mosby building arts is built the company that i own and run and and it's we are vertically integrated we have almost all of those trades as employees at Mosby Building Arts because uh, we tend to do, we do larger projects, but we also do a lot of small projects. And how do you get somebody good to come to your home and do a small project? Well, pretty much as an employee because, you know, uh, contractors will chase whatever um, biggest job they can get. Well, that's not kind of the way we're built because getting it right, standing behind it, we have a, you know, lifetime uh, labor warranty, which I think Blake brought up last hour, again, that, uh, you know, had been challenged by that, you know, Ken Ware, who's uh, part of our team, and he said, well, Scott, why don't, years ago, why don't we just do a lifetime labor warranty? We go back and fix them anyway. So that's kind of the stock and trade for Mosby Building Arts, and you're seeing that more and more throughout the industry. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby here. I am at your service. Let's fire up and talk to a very patient caller, Tom. Tom, good afternoon. Welcome to lunch on KMOX, my friend. How can I help you this day? I have two questions. One, my, my daughter moved into a house, I guess, about eight years ago. And at that point in time, she started having an issue with uh, allergies in the house. And my wife and I have the same problem. So what we're trying to do is find out what you would do to check for mold or what would you recommend doing to check for whatever might be tripping those allergies in the house. Because it seems moldy to me, but that... That's just an opinion. Uh, what? Tell me what brings that uh, to your senses. Do you smell a musty smell here, Tom? Or what? What? How do you describe moldy? How do you discover that? Um, to me, it it, it uh, triggers my allergies. I don't mm-hmm. have a sense of smell, so I couldn't tell you if it smelled like a skunk or if it smelled like mold because I don't know what mold smells like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's an off smell that definitely, or it's an off something that's yeah. definitely triggering. And you know, she doesn't think that um, it has proper ventilation in one portion of their attic because they can't find a trap door to actually go up and check insulation or check anything behind it. Mm-hmm. And they've had... Uh, a couple of uh, small, I'll call them leaks, in a bathroom. That was going to be my second question, is that how do you check and find out what's causing a leak in a bathroom with a tile wall, and they think it's the tub, but nobody knows. Yeah. Uh, I, I will tell you that um, if it is the tub, not using the tub for some time will stop the leak. Uh, using the tub, uh, I will tell you that um, uh, 
mostly around the faucet, the shower control or the tub control and that spout, especially if it's a tub-shower combination or a shower, you can have the shower being really watertight, but as the bather stands in front of the shower head and it splashes off of our chest, that at that same angle, it bounces down around the hot-cold control, and if that escutcheon, that finished cover plate, isn't waterproof, watertight, you can have a lot of water leaks on that drain end that looks like the drain, looks like a tub problem and all that. So basically, most of those problems are from the tub location. Uh, how old is that house, Tom? Built in, I believe, 95 or 96. It's basically the same age as my house. Yeah, that's a new house in my world. Yeah, now the... That's a new house in my world. Um, in yeah. 1995, there was still a lot of drywall going on behind those uh, ceramic tile tower tub walls. So uh, I would, uh, without seeing it, I would be 90% certain I'm going to encounter some sort of a mushy drywall or grout or some leak. And the problem is, in a 90, if you have drywall back there, even the green board, uh, and you get water into it uh, over a year or two, not only will you have it wet, uh, it will deteriorate, but it will be moldy. Uh, the answer to your direct question is there are biologists that come in with a filter, and they basically take an air sample. But I will tell you, Tom, that there are so many allergens in the air from uh, cat dander, from dogs and pets. Uh, if there's carpet in the house, uh, I can tell you what the recommendation will be. Get rid of all the carpet and everything that can't be wiped down, like an operating room, so hardwood floors, vinyl floors, ceramic tile floors uh, basically it gets looking like an operating room in a hospital and or a kitchen in a high quality clean uh, restaurant that's uh, all hard surfaces are all that's in an allergic person's house but we bought bounce this with uh, biologists that come in and take the so f discovering what it is is kind of easy Getting rid of it is very difficult in a forced air house because you've got, you know, the inside liner of the ductwork on the forced air heating and cooling system. You've got chimneys and on and on and on. So uh, right. it can be tested by a biologist by taking an air filter sample. What would you be? What would your recommendations be for her to have somebody like yourself look at it and sit down and? Um, you're but you're better able to, uh, from my experience, you're better able to look at things and pick up what she's what what needs to be done as a next step. Yeah, I would do that. That's exactly because we're not really attached. We're not selling any specific thing. We're not selling duct cleaning. We're not selling carpet. We're not selling. You know, basically, it's what are the high probabilities of allergic problems in this house, and certainly getting the the shower taken a look at wouldn't hurt either. So, yeah, it takes a generalist that doesn't really have an axe to grind, if you will, and that's kind of how we go at looking at every house so we don't get surprised by, you know, missing the leaking tub or something. Okay. Call the office on Monday, and, and what's the time frame for something like that? Uh, usually it uh, takes us about two weeks to get out on a, you know, a general uh, first appointment to kind of inspect a home, and phone number is 314-909-1800, Yeah, you, you did that for me probably 10 years ago on my, or 15 years ago on my house, and told me exactly what needed to be done. It worked out very well because you told me I could do it myself, and I did. Oh, nice, nice. Glad to help, Tom.
Yeah, I appreciated that. <laughs> well, all right, Tom. Take care. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Okay. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Stay tuned. More things coming. Voice of the Cardinals. Yeah, well, which year might be a challenge, but hey, we're the voice of the Cardinals here on KMOX. Oh, yeah, back together. Hey, an offline caller uh, called in about historic restorations uh, and whether Mosby Building Arts does historic restorations. Uh, yes, we do. Uh, historic rest. It's a really interesting topic because if you're in a historic district, uh, the permitting process, just changing an exterior door. That's a uh, permitted and a special review by the historic restoration uh, for a review. And it, it takes, you know, quite a bit of time. So if a normal permit might take four to five weeks with a historic, it, you, you pretty much double that because not only does it go to that, um, you know, for the permit review and whether this is, it goes to, is this an appropriate door? Uh, and oftentimes these applications, we have to um, send along with that application to place the door or the windows go back in time to you know the 1910 1920 1860s whatever the original the as far back in history as we can find and research uh, oftentimes these uh, photos come with the houses because they're notable structures uh, with a history of their own anyway we have to prove and show what was original and then demonstrate that how our product that we're proposing to replace it with whether windows or doors or siding or trim or even paint colors um, whether that is suitable to the original historic character of the home uh, even profiles of trims so when you get to uh, windows for example you can't just put in a big window that has no uh, dividers no muntins or in between the glass so ADL authentic divided lights but the profile of the dividers is even in consideration in historic structures. So it's a big deal. You need to know the lay of the land. For those that are comfortable and fluent in that, it's kind of fun because it's, uh, you know, there is a right answer. So anybody that likes math and science, you know, there's a right answer. But you've really got to do your homework, and, and it's, it's quite a bit of fun. Anyway, so we do enjoy doing historic restorations. Just be prepared because the cost the time and the elapsed schedule of a historic project are, you know, substantially more. Let's go to my friend, uh, Bob, who's been waiting a little bit. Uh, Bob, Scott Mosby here, Lunchtime KMOX. How can I help you, my friend? I have a plumbing, plumbing problem. Yeah, Bob. I had a new shower installed about a month ago, and the shower works fine. But when they hooked it up, one of the toilets is hooked up to hot water. Is there a danger in that, or could I just live with it? Oh, I, no, I get it right. Uh, it, there's not really a big danger in that, but you're using a lot of uh, energy you just don't need. You just don't need hot water in your toilet, so you're spending to heat it up. You're dumping it in the toilet. It then cools off, so you're kind of wasting energy with that. But, you know, just on the right and wrong, you know, I... I, I I joke when I say that in Missouri, we know that that ain't right, you know, so, uh, and when you go to sell the house, that will be, um, you know, found by a home inspector, so certainly if, if they mix that up, and it's, yeah, it's probably going to have to redo the whole installation, but... Well, there, there are ways. You can come in through the back side of the wall on the other side. There, there are a lot of ways to, to get these things done. But, uh, you know, long and the short of it is it's their problem, and they need to finish the job correctly. And, you know, for a good company, they'd be happy to finish it correctly and embarrassed if they left it. 
Right. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, you Bob. I just wanted to know. Yeah, just uh, uh, for you, uh, you paid X number of dollars. You have the right for that to be a correct project. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a big bucks job for them. You know. Oh, well, I wanted it right. Yeah. Well, if they're a good company, they'll be happy to make it right. Oh, okay. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. Uh, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. And again, that's, uh, again, it, it's, uh, you know, reputation. Um, sometimes that's all we have, and it matters. So, uh, you know, I, I make mistakes. I blow things. Everybody does. It's what we do with it, you know, that separates the big boys from the little boys. Uh, let's see what's happening. Who's been waiting here a while? Let's talk to Mildred. Hey, Mildred, good afternoon. Lunchtime, Camwax. How can I help you? Good afternoon, Scott, and thank you for taking my call. I what I'm interested in asbestos because my house was built in 1939. I did not know that until a couple of years ago. The insurance company did a research because for all these years they said 1956, but I had noted through uh, listening and, and learning, uh, you know, about the floor tiles. I saw the little small floor tiles, which we did not bother. We just yeah. went over them. But yeah. in my crawl spaces upstairs in the attic uh, is where I'm concerned because of the fact that three years ago I had to replace the uh, uh, a bathroom fan. Mm-hmm. And when I turn it on for exhaust, uh, I see these little, you know, like cotton stuff coming out of the vent, you know, in the bathroom downstairs. And I'm wondering, is this a asbestos, you know, has it Ooh. been disturbed, you know, because it's underneath, uh, and it's been there for years, but it's underneath yeah. uh, other uh insulation the pink insulation that's been put in there years ago so sure. I, I i'm just interesting is, is is isn't that dangerous if i'm blowing that fan and and if, and if that is asbestos uh, how dangerous is it oh yeah mildred good question uh even if it is pink fiberglass and not asbestos that's not good each vent fan should have its own exhaust to the exterior so turning on vent fan a should not result in air coming out of another vent fan in another bathroom they've got a common no no no, no. On it's just one it's just one bathroom it's just that it's vented through the roof uh okay. and it comes down to the first floor and all okay uh, the flooring of the uh bathroom okay so when i turn on the bathroom uh venting fan that's when i uh, after replacing the uh uh um uh uh, uh exhaust Mm-hmm. That's when I saw seeing it, and that's 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 where my concern comes up. Well, I think your concern is well founded. That uh, any fibrous insulation, whether fiberglass or especially asbestos, as, asbestos is bad, and anything more than six parts per billion uh, fiberglass will do the same and slice up the inside lining of your lungs. So either one, I would certainly have somebody take a look at that. Uh, who installed the bath fan for you? Well, it was a friend because uh, okay. we thought it was an easy fix, you know, uh, yeah. just an update because it was a, a, a fan there prior, but it had went out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I guess with the, them going into the crawl space, them uh, replacing the, the joints and all, uh, that that 
like you say, probably uh, uh, messed it up or resettled or, or, or maybe not sealed it correct or whatever, but you're saying that that is a problem. Who can yeah. I call to, because um, uh, I'm for sure it's asbestos with the uh, uh, pink insulation on top, but yeah. there's asbestos have been there ever since I've been here. Yeah, yeah. Sure, it's been there since the house. Mm-hmm. So, I, I would call uh, maybe a home inspector, um, Ashi A S H I. Uh, there are home inspectors that look at this. There are asbestos companies that look at this. Um, uh, you know, so company abatement companies for uh, removing asbestos. Um, you know, that's that's an important part too. So, mm. uh, I, I get somebody to look at this from. You know, kind of, is it asbestos? Like the company uh, we use is Wellington. The flooring upstairs. They had when I mo- we moved in in the seventies, back in the seventies, there was this, uh, 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 like I say, I think four by four tile. Yeah. Which I know is a, asbestos, and uh, we, uh, I just had that covered uh, about a, uh, a three the, at the same time. Yeah, and and I knew I couldn't, you know, take that up and all. So I'm I'm positive it might be, but um, oh, but the, just a thought. And and then too, in this 1939 home, there, you know how on both ends of the homes that you see uh, 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 ventilation and yes. all. But uh, uh, these homes, when they were built, they did not put. Uh, that ventilation, but the yeah. ventilation I happen to see when my neighbor had some work done uh, is on the side underneath the guttering. It's a oh. a yeah. strip there, and I was just wondering, is, was that a norm back then, or you've never seen that, or what? Uh, not as common back then. Uh, you know, back in 1939, we didn't do ventilation very well because we were still trying to keep the water out and not so much on. We did ventilation in attics, but not like we should. So anything built in 39 uh, probably needs some attention. Uh, it needs a lot of attention. And yeah. the other question I had was, uh, I, I, I've seen what knob and tube is, mm-hmm. uh, how can you get a 1939 house if you want it re- rewired? The uh, the basement and the and the first floor is uh, I've had updated, but the yeah. upstairs, you know, in case something happened to me and my children move in, uh, you know, and with the uh, new electronics where you know it takes, yeah. uh, you know, more Rounded. updated things. How uh, how how uh, difficult is it? to rewire if you got a finished uh, attic space and uh, you're dealing actually, with that asbestos. Well, you wouldn't, I don't, I don't know if you would uh, deal with it or not, but I'm positive you would if it's in the crawl spaces and the, if the wiring might be going through. Yeah. Mildred, we typically will add grounded electrical home run circuits where needed uh, because it, somewhat if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, there's really nothing wrong with knob and tube unless you go up there and mess with it because you can knock the insulation off. So frankly, unless you want us to remove it, then it's it's wholesale surgery, pull the whole thing apart down to the bones, usually not worth it. So typically it's what exactly do you need? Where will the TV go? Where will the stairs? 
Ontario go, where is the computer? And we add grounded outlets there, and we don't really have to mess with the asbestos. So you just add value. So in other words, with with a grounded circuit did by a qualified electrician, uh, and in later years if the computer is needed, uh, because do a, a large TV you know, uh, you know, kids like the bigger ones. Uh, oh, yeah. Do they uh, 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 require a, draw a lot of electricity? They don't draw a lot of electricity, but that's important to have a grounded uh, outlet for that because actually an electrical lightning storm can blow out TVs very quickly because of the receiver of the remote control. So they're like a lightning magnet. So it's important that they get an electronic grounded outlet, even if they only have a two-prong plug. Mm. Yeah. No. Yes, is he? So that's Thank an very example. Much. You have really answered a lot of questions for me and, and send me in the right direction because I am concerned about that. Um, I, I, I can't use the exhaust fan knowing that uh, basically I might be, like you say, inhaling yeah. uh, uh, toxins. And it's easy to fix, Mildred. You know, just get these things taken care of. You know, take a look at them. And, you know, I'm not saying they're bad, but, you know, knowing if you're losing sleep now, get them checked. Well, it's, it's, it's not the losing sleep. It is the safety uh, 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 factor of yeah. it, uh, per se. You know, uh, everything. Mildred, is, I'm going to uh, have to go here. I apologize okay. for the time constraint. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good questions from Mildred. Pondering it through. Asbestos, big league stuff. So uh, good array of questions. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby at your service here on Camel Eggs. All right, back together, home improvement. Scott Mosby, KMOX. Let's go right back to the phone line, see if we can get him on, and see what's happening with my buddy Mark. Mark, good afternoon. Welcome to lunch on KMOX. How can I help? Hey, Scott. Um, Great program. Listen to it very often. I've got a uh, two-story sunroom attachment to a two-story brick building, a flat in the city. Uh, The two exterior, I believe they're eight-inch, diameter legs are rotting away where they currently come in direct contact with the concrete pier. Mm -hmm. Uh, The piers are fine. I've owned the building for close to 20 years, so, you know, there isn't a problem that the piers are settling. It's just that the wood is rotting. How, How is that best addressed, and can we splice a new piece of wood into those legs, or how is that rectified or fixed? Yeah, a splice can happen, frankly, Mark. Uh, sometimes a shiplap, you get half, you know, whatever the material is, uh, usually a, a pine, something that rots years ago, we will replace yeah. it with a treated 8x8, eight 6x6, eight, six six, whatever. And then it's kind of like a ship building. Those old world joints, you, know, you can't just cut it off and then put another block underneath it uh, because it doesn't stay. So you do like a half lap of that. So it's kind of kind of fun from a carpenter's standpoint. The issue becomes the hold down ability of how you tie it to that pier. So the carpentry is pretty straight ahead. The anchoring prop- properly uh, according to new seismic and uh, you know hurricane or for us tornado wind lift problems Uh, we basically need steel straps on there those tend to be less than attractive but uh, so basically on top of your pier would be some sort of a post base that uh, 
uh, we bolt down to that, uh, and then and it's probably going to be square, and your round uh, post gets to be worked into. Sometimes we have to custom make those things in a shop, and then how you meld those together. But the big deal is how you hold that porch down in a wind lift uh, uh, environments, because that's we've learned. You know, more more houses get blown away going up than they do going down. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd want the new uh, splice to be resting on. I've seen in, in in the big box hardware stores. There's a a metal frame bracket, if you will, that yeah. that the uh, wood rests. You know that that's attached to the pier, and then uh, the the metal bracket is, and uh, then it keeps the wood elevated out of the water, if you will. Um, that's exactly and it, so, and the wind dries it out, and the you know so yeah right right okay, and that's something your company handles. I could get a bid from. Oh, yeah. I'll warn you, though, treated lumber does not like to be painted. So what works okay. best for not rotting is not a painted-friendly environment. So, uh, you know, right. just be aware. Okay. okay. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Bye now. Bye. And, and, and that's a big issue. I mean, a rotted column bases, we oftentimes, you know, you, you get into a, a grand home with 24-inch you know, 23 feet tall columns that are, you know, cylindrical. I mean, beautiful pieces of wood, and the bottom eight inches is just rotted. Well, do you, do you buy a new $20,000 column? Probably not, you know. So we get involved in custom making some of those column bases, shoring up the roof. You know, you basically, uh, you know, lift up that old column, cut off the bottom, uh, blend it in there, and frankly, kind of uh, wood carve until it matches. So, yeah, I mean, you know, for a good carpenter, that's kind of a fun project. Uh, let's see what's cooking here with my buddy Jeff. Hey, Jeff, good afternoon. How can I help, sir? Uh, hi, Scott. Um, I have uh, some issues with uh, my brick on the north side of my house where uh, I have a Cortez-style brick. Okay. And um, it's like what – the more, I don't know if the moisture is getting behind the brick and maybe freezing and thawing. but it's I guarantee like that. Off. That's what's happening. <laughs> And and I I know when we built the house in '94, uh, I believe they acid washed the brick after they installed it. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm just curious. Um, I've never I don't know for sure if you're supposed to seal that or not seal it. And um, you know just to kind of stop this from happening, um, I don't know if I can or can't. But there's there's some areas like I said on the chimney more too where actually some of the mortar. Too, I think I might need some possible tuck pointing or like yeah. a chimney tap on the house. Yeah, but, I, uh, I would definitely. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm not sure if your company deals with any of that stuff. Yes, we do, and it is moisture because a 1994 Cortez brick should not have these issues. It's a it's a new brick. It's a machine press brick, which means it's dense. Uh, it's not prone to soaking up inordinate amounts of of moisture. So you're getting moisture behind your brick on the chimney. That's an easy one. It probably is the cap. You're going to wind up at 94 about now. Whatever was up there is worn out. So you will wind up with a new chimney cap. Uh, and then you wind up faux um, 
building faces on this Cortez brick out of mortar to make it match in coloration. So it gets to be a bit of artwork. But on the wall of your home, I'm concerned, Jeff, there's water getting behind that brick. Uh, and so it's more than just I have a brick problem. The issue that as we would look at it is, you know, we've got a water problem and it's manifesting by boiling off this brick in freezing situations. So you've analyzed it is freezing moisture. But the issue is where is the moisture coming from and why is it persistent? The north side is always the coldest side, doesn't get sun. So I get all that. But, you know, where's the moisture coming from? And, and it gets into house wrap, like Tyvek-type stuff, bad flashing on tops of windows, sometimes overflowing gutters, gutter boards, stuff like that. So it, it, it may look like we're looking at the wrong stuff, but we're looking for moisture, which is the problem. Okay. Um, so uh, if I would use your company, what number would I call? Uh, 314-909. 909-1800. And you can get on the website and uh, fill something out here. If you want to get it off your chest and just respond, you can go to callmosby.com and sign up for this as well. But uh, phone number is 314-909-1800. We're there whichever way you want to handshake with us. Okay. Yeah, because it's been it, – it, I just noticed it more recently, I guess, in the last uh, year or two. Yeah. And um, I do have in other areas of the, of the brick – but more so, more so, like I said, on the north side. Mm -hmm. And um, I do live in a, a rural area, and so I'm open, really open. I don't have a lot of stuff around, so the weather really hits the house, you know, mm -hmm. pretty hard. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I definitely want to get this addressed just so, you know, <laughs> it doesn't turn into a bigger problem. Yeah, yeah, well, get her done. I agree. You're on the right path, Jeff. Okay, Rick, well, or Scott, thanks so much for your call. And um, I'll definitely be getting hold of your company to maybe have somebody come out and take a look at it and see what they can uh, give me an idea or a bit of, of what I might need to do. Well, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate the trust. All right. Thanks so much, Scott. All righty. Take care. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, X back for more after this. All right, wrapping up Hour 2 here at University of CAMOX, the Helotech Home Improvement Show. Let's go to my friend Daryl, see what's happening in his world. Daryl, good afternoon. How can I help, sir? Scott, thank you very much for taking my call. So I yeah. heard that one effective way of dealing with gutter water would be using barrels, and then you could, since it's quote-unquote nature's water, you could use it to water the garden, et cetera, outside. Oh, yeah. Save on Monday. So that's so. Question one is is how do you feel about barrels in general? And then question one A. I also heard. Um, I, I I I'm I'm sure I'm going to flub up the term he used, but maybe you'll understand it. Uh -huh. He said, "Yeah, and water is you know revitalized or whatever by lightning." I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you anything about how lightning has an effect on rainwater and how much better it is versus. Uh, non-lightning water. I'll oh, yeah. Well, uh, rain barrels are a good thing. Keep in mind, uh, anything that falls out of the sky is generally better than the chemicals we add through municipal water systems. So natural rain, 
the grass and the plants will be way happier with that stuff that falls out of the sky other than what goes through a treatment plant and we you know adjust ph we adjust all sorts of things so rain barrel natural rainfall is always better for the plants your yard will be very happy and what you're referring to in terms of lightning one of the byproducts of lightning in a in a rainstorm is nitrogen so when you fertilize your yard and you put nitrogen granules or nitrogen liquid or whatever if you notice and pay attention when there is a lightning storm the green of the grass will be extraordinarily more vivid than if you just get a normal rain rain is good so my point is is rain barrels i love rain barrels but daryl the overflow of rain barrels is important to manage because if you just dump them into a rain barrel 55 gallon or 40 or whatever the size is make sure you have an overflow overflow for that rain barrel so that that water then goes somewhere and oftentimes there are rain gardens that we build we actually build underground water storage tanks for this that then irrigation systems or uh, you know um, watering the gardens so you betcha Daryl you're on the right path but the nitrogen that comes from lightning is from those rainstorms so you bet uh, rain barrels good things uh, Scott Mosby home improvement sorry I didn't get to all the calls stay tuned KMOX coming next